Dear Father in heaven, glory be unto your name for your mercy and goodness and love which you have graciously bestowed upon all of us. In all things we are to give thanks because we understand and know that you love us all the time regardless of the situation we find ourselves. Lord, we look forward to the day when you will come to receive your children and we want to be among those who will be in your kingdom. Therefore, we pray as we fellowship with you now, please bless us, sanctify us and purify us that we may be made ready for the coming of our Lord. Give us of your Holy Spirit, grant us understanding of your word and put your words in my mouth that I may speak words that will bless every one of us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 12. God, their protector. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. Ezra chapter 8 verse 22 Ezra's faith that God would do a mighty work for his people led him to tell Artaxerxes of his desire to return to Jerusalem to revive an interest in the study of God's word and to assist his brethren in restoring the holy city. As Ezra declared his perfect trust in the God of Israel as one abundantly able to protect and care for his people the king was deeply impressed. He made him a special representative of the Medo-Persian kingdom and conferred on him extensive powers for the carrying out of the purposes that were in his heart. Thus again, the children of the dispersion were given opportunity to return to the land with the possession of which were linked the promises to the house of Israel. Before them was a journey that would occupy several months. The men were taking with them their wives and children and their substance besides large treasure for the temple and its service. Ezra was aware that enemies lay in wait by the way, ready to plunder and destroy him and his company. Yet he had asked from the king no armed force for protection. In this matter, Ezra and his companions saw an opportunity to magnify the name of God before the heathen. Faith in the power of the living God would be strengthened if the Israelites themselves should now reveal implicit faith in their divine leader. They therefore determined to put their trust wholly in him. They would ask for no guard of soldiers. They would give the heathen no occasion to ascribe to the strength of man the glory that belongs to God alone. They could not afford to arouse in the minds of their heathen friends one doubt as to the sincerity of their dependence on God as his people. 
only by keeping the law of the Lord before them and striving to obey it would they be protected. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is God their Protector. And we are continuing the story of the man called Ezra. We looked at how the prophecy given in the book of Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 down to 27 was fulfilled on the day that Ezra went to meet the king, Ataxexis I who gave him a decree. This day was the autumn, this period, this time was the autumn of 457 BC, the starting date for the counting of the 2300 days prophecy. Ezra had a direct aim when he went to meet that king. Like we read in devotion, his aim was that he wanted to go back to do for the rebuilding of Jerusalem and on that day he was made a special representative of the king and being made that the king gave him all that he needed for the restoration of Jerusalem and we have seen how this restoration is not just referring to the building of walls and streets alone but that is heavily a part of it because Gabriel told Daniel that the streets and the walls shall be built in troublous times but then the decree is the decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem what does the restoration refer to it refers to what the king said when he told Ezra that they should rule themselves and they had autonomy they were no longer to function by the law of the Medes and the Persians they were now to rule themselves by their own law and their own statutes and their own judgment this was key and very important because God wanted Israel to prepare for the coming of Jesus Gabriel told them that they had 490 years out of that 2300 to prepare for the coming of the Messiah exactly 483 years from that 457 BC they were clearly told that the Messiah will be anointed and he will minister for three and a half years he will be cut off in the midst of the week that is three and a half years and then till the end of the 490 years the other three and a half years it will bring an end to the time given to the Israelites the Jews to put an end to sins and bring about everlasting righteousness this was the work that Ezra was going to do and like we saw just now in the devotion there was a conversation between the king and Ezra remember that the king had said something to this effect in the book of Ezra 7 he said why should wrath be upon the king's house and upon his sons this tells us that something had happened to the king he knew something of the God of heaven he had had an encounter and it looked to him that his life was under threat his house was under threat that if he did not give this decree something seemed to have happened that made him believe that his house and his children would be under threat so certainly he would want to discuss with this man that represents the God of heaven Ezra and in their discussion something took place in Ezra chapter 8 now in verse 21 he proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava 
and he said that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for our substance. Now there is a reason why he did this. He said in verse 22 now, For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Amen. Now let us examine the words of Ezra to understand the situation he was in and why he chose to do what he did. In his own words, he said he was ashamed because he had spoken to the king telling him that the hand of God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. Take note of those words. His power and his wrath is against those that forsake him. And then he now fasted. Ezra had spoken to the king telling him that his own God, the God of heaven, is the one that prospers people in the way and that one with God will have his protection. Basically, he had said to Artaxerxes, God is the all-powerful controller of the universe and those who serve him by doing what is right will have favor from him and those who do not seek him but forsake him will have wrath. I want us to remember those words he said. He said, wrath and power that those two things will be against those who come against the Lord or who forsake the Lord. Now let us recall that King Artaxerxes seemed to have had an encounter with God when he wrote the decree for the restoration and rebuilding of Jerusalem. In that decree, like I've been saying, in Ezra 7 verse 23, these were some words contained in that decree. King Artaxerxes said, Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Do you see the connection? The king is asking why should there be wrath against the king and his sons? Ezra is saying to the king, the wrath of God only comes against those that forsake the Lord. Now, the king will be wondering, is this the case? Is it if you are with God, then that means you don't need soldiers. And then the king is offering him soldiers. But here is a man who is just telling the king now that wrath does not just come arbitrarily on people. That there is a God who is in control of the universe. And if wrath is coming against you, it is because you have forsaken the Lord. It is not about how many soldiers you have. That is what Ezra was saying to him. Because this man had soldiers, remember, he is a king. But yet, he had something that made him afraid, that made him say, give Ezra everything he wants. I don't want the wrath of God against me and against my house. And Ezra is telling him, when you forsake God, that's when his wrath will come against you. Now, Ezra says to the king that his throne can only be protected if he does right and does not forsake God. But the wrath of God is upon those who forsake God. By saying this implies that anything that happens to any man is by God's permission. And what actually causes the sorrows and troubles we face is because we forsake God. In other words, the king is to know that regardless of the amount of soldiers he has or weapons or armory, none of those things can protect 
those who forsake God. And also, one who does not have these human weaponry and services need not fear anything because even if you don't have them, as far as you serve God and do His will, you will fear no evil thing and the Lord will prosper you. Now apparently, in saying this to the king, it will seem very inconsistent for Ezra to then take the protection that the king was giving to him and trust in the armies and human uh, protection. Ezra had a point to prove to the king. The king seemed to have had some encounter with God that made him to give that decree to rebuild the streets of Jerusalem and to restore it. But he probably was wondering, who is this God? And now was an opportunity for God to reveal himself to the king. For this reason, Ezra felt that it would be a shame after telling the king of God's might and how God only forsakes those who forsake him, how his wrath and his power is only against those who forsake him, then to trust in the arm of flesh to protect him will be a shame. God did not disappoint Ezra. Apparently, it was not the reasonable thing to do. We are not saying now that everybody should follow this model of Ezra to go through a way unprotected. But Ezra had a point to prove. Like we read in Conflict and Courage, page 261, paragraph 4 and 5, it says, Before them was a journey that would occupy several months. The men were taking with them their wives and children and their substance besides large treasure for the temple and its service. Ezra was aware that enemies lay wait in the way, ready to plunder and destroy him and his company, yet he asked from the king no armed force for protection. In this matter, Ezra and his companions saw an opportunity to magnify the name of God before the hidden. Faith in the power of the living God would be strengthened if the Israelites themselves should now reveal implicit faith in their divine leader. They therefore determined to put their trust wholly in him. They would ask for no guard of soldiers. They would give the hidden no occasion to ascribe to the strength of man the glory that belongs to God alone. They could not afford to arouse in the minds of their hidden friends one doubt as to the sincerity of their dependence on God as his people. Only by keeping the law of the Lord before them and striving to obey it will they be protected. I'll take that statement again because this is the lesson that God has been trying to teach us from Genesis. Only by keeping the law of the Lord before them and striving to obey it will they be protected. So what did he do? They fasted and besought God and he was entreated of, of them. End of quote. The lesson that God has been trying to teach since the days of Saul, David, Solomon, Abijam, Rehoboam, Asher, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Josiah, Joash, you name it, Ahaz, Hezekiah. What was the lesson all this while? Any king that forsakes the law of God, regardless of how much army you have, regardless of your protection, you will fall. Jeroboam came with 800,000 soldiers against Abijam, who had just a few men. And what happened to Jeroboam? 500,000 of them died in one battle. Not one nuclear weapon has done that ever. What was the problem with Jeroboam? He forsook God. Ahaz had all the protection he needed, but because he forsook God, he had his army decimated in one day, 200,000 captives of men, women and children, about 120-280,000 men died in one day. One day. Which war do you see that happening in? 
when we forsake God, that is when our protection goes. I remember the days when we were studying about the 12 spies. Very interesting devotion in those days. And what did we see? Joshua and Caleb came and said and testified, their defense is gone from them. Let us go and fight. What did he mean by their defense is gone from them? Is it that they didn't have weapons or that they didn't have walled cities, that they didn't have high towers? Was that what Joshua meant and, and Caleb? No, those things were there. But Joshua and Caleb understood that our defense is in keeping the law of the Lord. And they could see that these people are disobeying God. They are living in iniquity. And if God has said, let us go and fight them, they knew their defense is gone from them. And how about Rehoboam? Rehoboam had shields of gold which he had inherited from his father and he had great weaponry he had inherited from his father but Shishak, the king of Egypt, came against him. Those weapons did not save Rehoboam. Why? Because he had forsaken the law of the Lord and had started worshipping other gods. This is the lesson Ezra had learned from his study. And these people, not just the heathen, but even the Israelites who were with him, not every one of them had faith in God. Remember the children of the ones, the, children, the Israelites who came out from Egypt, who had died in the wilderness, their children had not understood the power of God. They needed an evidence for themselves to see that God was with them. So when Joshua was leading them into Canaan, God did something remarkable for them. And he let the Jordan to part like the Red Sea parted and they walked on dry land. And this inspired faith in those children of Israel. This generation that was following Ezra, they had not seen the mighty works of God. They did not see the ten plagues. They did not see the Jordan part. Neither did they see the Red Sea. They did not have the experience of having a king like David to see what the Lord could do for those who are with him. They did not have the experience of having a king like Uzziah like Asha, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Jotam. They didn't have Josiah. They didn't see what it means to have that experience to show that it is not about how much army you have. They had not gone for any battle to see themselves outnumbered and yet they conquer. And then they will know that it is because we are keeping God's commandment that, God's commandments that we have conquered. And it is not because of our numbers or because of our weaponry. They did not witness the battle that Jehoshaphat fought where he said to them, Judah and Jerusalem, do not faint. The Lord will be with you. You shall not need to fight in this battle. And all they did was sing. And as they sang, their enemies started to fight against themselves and they were destroyed. They had not witnessed how Sennacherib's army, 185,000 of them, were killed in one night by the God of heaven. Every one of them, from the heathen to the Israelites who had not known the mighty works of their God, needed an evidence, even if it was the smallest evidence, for them to realize that their God is a mighty God. And Ezra used this opportunity to pray to God and fast so that they could have faith in God, so that they can be inspired with faith. Oh my, I remember an experience in my own life. See, you don't need to fight these huge battles or have the Red Sea part for you or the River Jordan part for you to realize that God is there. All you need to do is take any of God's promises, pray and see how the Lord will 
listen to your prayers. That is, if you follow what Ezra said, that if you follow the Lord in keeping his commandments, then he will be with you. But when you forsake him, he will forsake you and his wrath will be against you. Try God. Put him to the test so that you would inspire yourself and understand that you can have faith in God. And it will also inspire faith in others. Ezra wanted to inspire faith in the children of Israel and also in the minds of the heathen. So that they will see that it is safe to trust God. So he told them, don't worry, I don't need the soldiers. If he had received help from the king in this occasion, the hidden king would have lost the impression that was already beginning to gain influence on him when he wrote that decree. To solidify that impression, Ezra needed to show the king that the God which moved his heart to write that decree when he feared that the wrath would be on the king's house and his sons did not need his help. How can it be that a king is afraid of a god? That And he says, let not the wrath of God be upon me and on my house. And yet, the people of that God needs his help to protect them. If he can attack the king and he can come against the king's house, then he can also protect his people. And Ezra knew that it would be highly inconsistent for him to receive help from the king. After he, the king had expressed such thing, why should there be wrath upon the house of the king and upon his children, upon his sons? Ezra then used that opportunity to inspire faith in the king's mind and in the children of Israel. Now, we need to understand that if Ezra had accepted the offer of the king, it would have been no denial of his faith. There's nothing wrong in having this kind of protection. It would have been no denial of his faith on his part. Just as much as it is no sin today for us to receive such help from people who offer to give us help. But because there was a point to prove concerning the truth of God's word and also their sincerity was at stake, he chose to refuse the king's protection and God honored their prayers. It is not wrong to have the police around you. It is not wrong to have soldiers around protecting the environment. We are not saying now that if the whole nation is following God, there will be no need to have soldiers and there will be no need to have the police. No, that's not what we are saying. Ezra's situation is a peculiar one. There is nothing wrong in accepting the help of the king. But because the king had already started to believe in God, something had happened and faith was inspired in him. And also the children of Israel who were there needed something to, they could experience on which they could hinge their faith on. That was why Ezra prayed to God and said, Lord, please protect us. And that was why they fasted. If the king had, had the king had the knowledge that truly it is God who prospers and protects, if that thing was solidified in his mind, it would have been unnecessary for Ezra to say, don't give me the protection. If this king was a king of Israel who already knows the God of heaven, Ezra could have taken the convoy of soldiers and he will go. But there was a point to prove that was why he did it. So the point I'm trying to make here is it is not in all cases that we should do what Ezra did. We will see subsequently in the case of Nehemiah how he did not refuse the help of this same king. So how do we apply this lesson to ourselves? We apply this lesson because we are trying to say here now that when we see people who need something to hinge their faith on, it is necessary to do what Ezra did. By requesting protection, if Ezra had requested protection, it would have killed the faith in the king's mind. We also, we lose our protection when we sell out in receiving help from those who think that there is no other way except through the arm of flesh. 
There's a story in the Bible about King Asher, that great king. There was one blot in his life. It says in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1, In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asher, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asher, king of Judah. So, you remember the days of Baasha? Baasha is the third king of Israel. Jeroboam was the first, Nadab was the second, and Jer- Baasha killed both Nadab and all his family, and he was now the king. Remember that in those days, the people of Israel who wanted to serve God were leaving the kingdom of Israel and going to Judah. So this is why Baasha, who was the third king of Israel, and Asher was king of um, of of, the, of Judah at the time. After Rehoboam was Abijam, and after Abijam, he was also the third king of of Judah when it was broken into two different parts. So Baasha didn't want people going into Asher's kingdom again and he started to build a wall to stop people from coming to Asher's place. It says in verse 2, Then Asher brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's and of the king's house, and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of, As- king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go, break thy league with Baasha king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto king Asher, and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ejon, and Dan, and Abel-Amam, and, and they smote the cities of Israel. And what did it result in? Baasha had to leave what he was doing and run back to Israel to defend Israel. Now, God brought a message to Asher because of this. It says in Second Chronicles 16, verse 6, then Asher the king took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah. Verse 7, And at that time Hanani the seer came to Asher king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So by requesting protection from Ben-Hadad of Syria, Asher sent a wrong message to the Syrians. These were not people who were his friends, they were heathens. For him to tell them, come and protect me, what message do you think to send to their minds? Like Hanani said, from henceforth you are going to have wars. Because for you to receive protection from the Syrians, that means you are sending them the message that your God cannot protect you. The people will now think that there is no special power that is guarding Asher's kingdom. So since they needed to receive help from us, they are not so powerful as we think. Their God is not so powerful. This is what Ezra found himself in. To receive help from someone who is trying to still understand the God of heaven, would have been inconsistent for him and it would be like this thing that Asher did in requesting help from another king which he was not supposed to do. And we also will lose our protection when we sell out in receiving help from those who think that there is no other way except through the arm of flesh. So in order for us to understand how we can apply this lesson, we have to 
bring it down to ourselves now. There are times when we find ourselves in this situation of Ezra where we need to ensure that we don't send the wrong message to unbelievers. As a principle, when we meet those who are in doubt of God's power to save or who for one reason or another feels that trusting in God is futile, we need to and we need and we must help ourselves. We don't need to trust in God. In such cases, we can do as Ezra did. Let me mention some examples to of this to you. I had a f- there's someone I know who have, has a mother, and the mother says to her, and she is telling her mother, "Why don't you return the tithe?" And the mother says, "Because if I don't, re- if I return the tithe, we cannot survive." And the child says, "No, you should return your tithe." And then the mother says to her, "Look, do you know that this clothes you are wearing, I bought it with the tithe money." Do you know that the food you are eating, if I return tight, you will not be able to eat. Hmm. Now, in such situations, as far as it is never wrong to receive anything from your parents, in such a situation, you are not wrong if you say to that parent, if you say that we cannot survive because uh, if we return our tights, then don't return, then I'm not collecting anything from you again. You can live by yourself. If it is because of me, that you are not returning your tithe, then don't feed me again. That's a similar situation, although more clearer than the one that Ezra was in. Another one is in the case of somebody saying that they need to do something wrong to survive, like this one of tithe. Another person has maybe a parent who says, I must involve in politics unless our family will not survive. If I come out of politics, voting on the Sabbath and all, we will not survive. There is nothing wrong in such a case for that person, that child to say, to prove a point, not that it should continue forever, but to prove a point. You say, if that is the case, then don't sustain me again. If, it is, if I am the one you are using as an excuse to do evil things that you are doing, then leave me alone. I don't need your support. Are you getting the, the, the drift now? There are some people's support that we should not receive because we want to prove a point. And then another one might say, if I don't write my exams on Sabbath, I will not excel. Now, we need to ensure that we show the people an example and we will not do the same thing and our lives should be an example to them that those who keep the commandments of God they will prosper and that was what Ezra was trying to show to the king that it is by keeping God's commandments that we prosper it's not by ensuring that you write your exams and do well there's nothing wrong with that but when you have to break the commandments of God or feel that it is not possible to trust in God and survive. You have to help yourself. If somebody has that mindset, then such a person needs a point to be proven to them. We need to learn to trust in God as our protector from everything. There are those who see us conscientiously keeping God's commandments and feel like if we don't join them in evil or receive some kind of help from them, then we will perish in poverty. We should not give such people the pleasure of feeling that without them we cannot survive, for if we receive help from such people, we only cement them in their false belief and they will laugh at us. In such cases, we have a point to prove. Now, this does not mean that you will continue to prove the point for the rest of your life. After the point is proven, then, like I said concerning the one whose parent was not returning the tithe, after the child refused to collect anything from the parent, the parent was not still giving the tithe. 
So the child said to the parents, I have stopped collecting anything from you for a long time. You are not still returning tithes. So it is not because of me that you are not returning tithes. After that, the child started to collect things from the parents and the child was not wrong to do that. But the point has been proven that it is not that we ca- I cannot survive unless you stop returning the tithes. And the other one too, as the child has excelled for a while without receiving anything from the parent who is doing something that is wrong, then the point has already been proven that I don't need you to survive. I can survive. And it is not because of me that you are doing what you are doing. The point is that we should ensure that when we have the people who trust in the arm of flesh be around us, we have to prove a point and let them know that it is not by this arm of flesh that we survive. It is the Lord. He is the one that protects us. He is the one that helps us. If we keep his commandments, he will sustain us. Now, having that mindset, you can also receive help, whether it is financial help or even this kind of military help that was being offered to Ezra. If the person understands that point, there's nothing wrong in doing the necessary thing to take with you the protection of of men. But remember that it is not those men who will still protect you, it is still the Lord. It is God who who was the protector of Ezra and his people as they went back to Jerusalem. And God used that to inspire faith in the heathen and also in the children of Israel. We can also understand situations like this when we will have to prove a point to people. It's not in all cases. Like I said, we'll see the case of Nehemiah where he received military help from the same king at Axexis and there was nothing wrong for him to do that. In the case of Ezra, it is an exception. It's an exceptional case because he needed to prove a point. So for us, we live in the world today. Let us realize such situations where we see people who are trusting in the arm of flesh and thinking that we cannot survive without them. For such people, we may need to prove a point and let them know, no, I can survive without this thing. I do not need to disobey God. Or if you are having that impression in your mind not that what you are saying is wrong but the thing you are asking me to do you are thinking that it is this thing that is helping me to survive keep it i will show you that it is not that thing but it is the keeping of the commandments of god when you do that the lord will protect you when you depart from that have all the money you want have all the protection of soldiers that you want you will not have any protection may the lord give us grace as we learn to put all these things in practice is my prayer let us pray Dear Father in heaven, inspire faith in our own hearts too, that we may not trust to the arm of flesh, but have you as our protector and trust you and believe that you are the only one who can save us and protect us. Inspire faith in us and when we have opportunities, help us Lord to be discerning enough to find out those opportunities where it is necessary to show people the power of the Lord and prove a point to them. Help us also not to go to the other extreme unnecessarily doing things that will be presumptuous. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the same